You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? This is Frank Cottle, and welcome to the Future of Work podcast. Our guest today is Joe Brady. Joe is uh, the CEO of the Instant Group for the Americas, and he's a highly experienced real estate professional. Most recently, he was the head of real estate for Walgreens, where he was responsible for a 150 million square foot portfolio with an annual budget of over $3 billion. Prior to Walgreens, he held several senior roles at JLL and was a founder and partner of the Standard Group, which was sold to JLL in 2008. During his 30 years in the sector, he has had diverse experience growing high volume retail, delivering global rollouts of office space and distribution centers, and driving portfolio optimization and property technology leadership. <clears throat> Joe leads the Americas uh, business for the Instant Group in its Chicago office as part of its expansion across the Americas. And Joe is a global trust of the, trustee of the ICSC, a member of the ULI and Cornet. Joe, welcome very much to the program. Thanks, Frank. It's great to be with you. Joe, it, it's kind of interesting. You and I have a little bit counterposing things. I see in your resume and I see everything that you've done, everything except flexible workspace. That, so, yes, so that's true. It's the perfect time and the perfect position to round everything out that you do. And one other thing I notice is a lot of people in the flexible workplace sector really don't have the broad-based corporate experience that you bring. So rounding those things out, I think, will be really a great contribution, not just to the instant group, but really a contribution to our industry at large. So thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Tell me, what sort of general trends do you see from the perspective of instant office? Um, what, what, basically, what do you just see happening out there in the world? Yeah, Frank, I think it's, it's interesting. And if you don't mind, I, I just want to comment on the um, lack of flexibility uh, in, in uh, my, my work experience. While at Walgreens running a very large portfolio, I, I really came to learn that uh, it's very difficult to gain optionality to future-proof uh, a uh, exceptionally large portfolio. It was like captaining a aircraft carrier. Very, you know, very difficult to turn, far from agile, and um, and given that uh, you, you know some of the trends and issues that are happening. You know, we are absolutely positively in this age of acceleration where things are changing faster than ever. And so as a result, uh, when you look at corporate real estate being demonstrably linear, unchangeable and flexible, uh, there, there is a widening gap between the rate of change that all of us experience every day as, as consumers or as workers or just as, as citizens and what the built environment today was was constructed for. So there's this massive deviation uh, that, that's happening. And, and I, I found that uh, the, the flexible agile workspace industry is, uh, is prime to help really close the gap between where how fast the world's changing and where traditional corporate real estate is today. 
Well, you know, I, I would agree with that. I think that some of the biggest proponents for flexibility in the workplace really won't be the uh, historic uh, occupiers of business centers and co-working centers uh, so much as uh, government and large corporates that are having to rethink massive, massive portfolios uh, in order to uh, make progress, not just on the real estate sector, but overall within their corporate environments. Well, I, I think that's right. I think there's going to be a, a rapid move toward uh, agility and flexibility. Uh, as we talk to, and I, I certainly come come to the table with a demonstrably CRE leader perspective, uh, and, and, and I see that uh, the, the idea that occupancy can be either the second or third largest cost for a company, people are starting to rethink that. And there's been this awakening. Uh, we, we did some research interviewing 60 CRE leaders around the globe. And one of my, my favorite quotes that came out of it is, work from home is no longer the enemy of the C-suite. Uh, and, and people are starting to think about uh, work uh, differently. Uh, you know, the, the idea that we will, that we are going to work after this last six months is, is, is quite humorous, a bit of a misnomer, because I think all of us are finding that work can happen uh, wherever you are. And uh, unfortunately, some have really had to battle uh, through the pandemic. Others maybe had it a lot easier, but Either way, we found out that uh, there was a massive inversion from 98% of people working in some level of an office environment to 98% of people working from home, and we didn't miss a beat. The economy continues to move forward. And yep. so the, the, the COVID portal has thrust corporate America uh, in, you know, into the future, and we're here now, and, and now the question is, what are we going to do about it? And how is that going to impact the existing uh, operators that are out there, what is it going to do to traditional uh, real estate owners and how they view their asset-heavy portfolios when, um, you know, really the, the, working, the working class teams, the, the working folks are going to be focused on, uh, you know, where, where can I work today that's going to best match the modality of the work I'm doing? If it's uh, heads down, concentration, task oriented, I might as well stay at home. Why get in a car or take a train or commute to a high rise or go to a, a space? Um, and I think there's a place for that. There's also a place for the hubs uh, and, and for corporate America, particularly having brand and culture preserved and, and expanded. Uh, th there will be a place for those, th those core offices. But I think where, where we're going to find extreme growth, particularly in the flexible office market, is in this idea of work near home uh, and, and alternatives to going to a high rise. Uh, yeah. That conversation's happening all over the world and it's more pronounced in places like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, London, Paris, Montreal, et cetera. Well, you know, I, I've been reading some studies on transportation and, and uh, I would absolutely agree. I think that a recent study I just read on the London metro system indicated that if we're going to practice the current um, pandemic rules of travel, if you will, 
that the entire metro system for Greater London is only 16% efficient. And other studies have indicated that people don't mind going to, or I'll say being in an office around others. That's a fairly uh, contained and a fairly uh, easy environment to manage uh, for safety purposes and, and for all business purposes. What they don't like is public transportation. So it won't be a matter of being in the office as a problem. It'll be a matter in many markets, such as the ones you recognize, of getting to the office. That's going to change everything. So the question is, would you rather be at the head of a metro station if you're going to go with the location decision of a new center or on a nice bike path in a secondary or tertiary market? It's going to really shift the way we, we look at officing uh, in, in that regard. Uh, another point you make, I think, is is right that um, <clears throat> fixed real estate is the third or fourth highest, generally, sometimes the second, but usually the third or fourth highest uh, cost. And the other third or fourth highest cost, and it bounces back and forth in most large companies, is actually travel. So we've been saying for a while that there are no occupiers anymore in real estate. We've been saying this for the last three or four years, in fact, but that all people in, in, in business today are now permanent travelers. Uh, and, and it begs your point of the hub versus the home versus the neighborhood facility, et cetera. Uh, we will all travel depending on the type of work we do from one type of facility to another. And they may be uh, yards apart, miles apart, or hundreds of miles apart. Um, and we may use technology or we may use the physical means of travel. But that's the biggest thing that, that we see is that the understanding that people are not static in their work. Unless you're a coal miner, you're not going to work anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that notion of going to work is, um, you know, is, is almost nostalgic now. And, and uh, what's interesting, you, you do have... I love your coal miner analogy, but you, you do have in the financial services trading floors uh, mm -hmm. for financial services and insurance and other companies with call centers. And what those folks have found uh, that is that in the last six months, they've learned they do not need to be tethered to large either trading floors or call desks and, and call centers. And many companies are now saying, we think we could take 50% of a call center and have them work from home or have them work from an alternative location. And likewise, the, the trading desks uh, uh, have found that they, they too can be profitable, uh, be safe and secure, and, and, and then actually have a quality of life. So um, I, I would say that uh, from a safety perspective, I, I thought initially the notion of public transport and vertical transport would be two of the largest villains of our COVID world, uh, largely because of what, Frank, what you were saying uh, around separation and cleanliness and so forth uh, on, on the public transport. And then really the, the friction involved in the vertical transport uh, with, with hordes of, of folks coming back to offices presumably when, if and when school restarts in, in the fall, September, October, there will be limitations on the number of people in an elevator. And so 
that will be more of a, a, a nuisance, a, 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 you know, a, a friction point from a time perspective. But one of the things that's really being explored now uh, in the built environment is really air quality. And if you think about how traditional buildings, traditional office buildings have been constructed, oftentimes they look at, you know, open a, air plenums, open air plenums. Yeah. Well, but you, but you think about it and you think about uh, how often is there a, a fresh air turnover? And in many instances, you're looking at only two times a day, morning and night. Uh, compare that to a 737 that turns over its air every three minutes. Right. So I, I think companies and operators need to rethink and get facile with uh, HEPA filters and yeah. MERV counts and all sorts of other acronyms relative to uh, air quality and air safety, because, you know, unless and, and, and I know in France uh, it was just mandated and in Singapore, uh, I talked to my colleague, Sean Lynch, who runs Asia Pack, sure. for instance, uh, they now have to wear face masks in the office. So uh, unfortunately, in the U.S., we can't get people to wear face masks, you know, uh, going to a Walmart. And so can you imagine what kind of adherence would happen if we had to have them on in, you know, offices throughout the country? Although all the science indicates if everyone did it for three weeks, we'd probably be well ahead of this thing. So, um, so I think there's still lots of challenges. I think there's so many things we haven't learned about this virus, all of us are armchair epidemiologists now, right? Because uh, we watch cable news. But I, I, do, I do think there's a lot more science to be learned, uh, a lot more concern to be had. And, um, and I know all the operators and, and folks in corporate real estate are focused on employee health and safety first and foremost. And that's uh, it's kind of the most important amenity out there. No, it absolutely seems to be right. You know, it's funny, two things that you've mentioned um, uh, initially, uh, remote work and, and now health uh, care. I know in our own company, and we have three call centers, um, and we took a survey across our entire teams. Uh, uh, and uh, the response from the team themselves was that they 83% of the team members globally in our organization felt that they were more efficient as a result of our remote work programs, as opposed to less. Uh, and that led us to, particularly in our call center structures, to look at what we were doing and to, uh, fortunately we have the technology, that's sort of our basis as a company, but to look at what we we're doing and reorganize ourselves to where now 50 to 60% of all of our operators and all of our staff time will be permanently remote, um, either in a, work center, uh, a workplace, uh, or in a residence, but with the, the, the functionality in our case, primarily on residences. Um, and we're uh, doing that really at the surveyed request, I might say, of, of our teams. Uh, and it is, it is interesting uh, to see that come about. Uh, the, and we've seen increased productivity uh, overall as a result of it, economic, um, productivity unit, uh, service productivity, et cetera. I think others would be saying the same thing. I don't think we're, uh, we might be a little more formal in our approach, but I, I don't think others are experiencing too much different. The other thing that, that you mentioned that we did and we, we found was very easy to do was 
we met with the property companies where we office. And even in our flexible workspace that we have in a number of facilities, we were able to very quickly put in HEPA filters and boost the airflow with hardly any effort whatsoever. We just had to think of doing it and then require that it be done by our, our landlord. And no one hesitated. It wasn't expensive. Um, it was very easy to do. So a lot of the things that people are talking about aren't overwhelming problems. They're really quite simple, as, as simple as you say, as putting on a mask. You can put a mask on your entire office space if you like it, you know, with, with relative ease. Yeah, it's true. I saw an article where uh, someone said they, for 50 bucks, they were able to f go to Home Depot, buy a box fan and a yep. Merv, Merv 13 filter, put it on the, the intake side, and it actually did a remarkably good job of eliminating um, particles in the air. Uh, yep. But, you know, really, really, so I think there's, I think we just have to be more mindful and, and focused on it. Um, as far as I'd love to, I'd love your your story about 83% of your team members saying that they're more efficient, and it it just reminds me of you know if you if you've read Daniel Pink, uh, his book Drive, where he you know he dives into what makes people satisfied at work, and we we all know it's not money. People don't work for money, uh, and and he really covers money's nice though. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> uh, but it's an outcome. I think what where you have uh, three key areas that that people focus on, and the the first is mastery. You know, are they able to be good and get better at their job? Uh, the second is purpose. The, people want to work for something that's that's bigger than themselves and have that connection. But the third, and this is really important, this is where it ties into our world, is really about this notion of autonomy, where where individuals have freedom and agency to control their own environment and get work done as effectively as possible. And so this, this, this idea of some old line companies that engage in presenteeism, uh, you know, management by butts and seats, I think, again, all of that's going to become quite nostalgic and historic because we are in a knowledge eco economy. And a knowledge economy paired with a factory uh, approach to office space again, is just another area of incongruity that exists today. Uh, and so what we're seeing and what we're, we're talking to our corporate clients about is this, this idea that, you know, work in a core office may happen once or twice a week. And when it does happen, um, you're, you're probably standing the whole time and you, you're not going to sit until you leave because you're interacting with people, you're engaging with people, you're collaborate, collaborating, you're, you're building cohesion, you're you're driving creativity. Uh, and, and then there'll be times when the, the, that same individual may work with a team. And that's where I would say that the work near home, that's where uh, serviced office centers, managed office centers could come into play. Uh, I, I think that becomes a, a really important decision and an option for uh, an employee. Because if you think about it, if you're working near home, you're, you're, you're generally car or I like your analogy, bike friendly, not mass transit reliant. And then typically outside of dense urban cores, you can find low to mid rise buildings that are stair friendly and not elevator reliant. And so um, you're, you're cutting down on the uh, commute time, you're, you're in, 
allowing a bit more of a balance toward uh, life in the work-life balance. Um, I think a lot of people over the last six months have determined that they, you know, that they really like their families. <laughs> I know this is the longest stretch I've ever been with my wife. Uh, we've been married 22 years, but you know, like you said, I, I've just been a, a traveler up until now. Um, but it's going to be hard to would be hard to get back on the road five days a week. Uh, and and likewise, I think for employees, it's uh, it'll be good to be home for dinner. Uh, and yeah. Uh, and so that's that's it. I think a, there's going to be some really good parts coming out of this this change. No, I, I think there will be. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned wives. Um, <clears throat> the uh, my wife has decided uh, that she's going to be commuting to her office on her bicycle. She's Love very it. she's a very active and ardent cyclist anyway. So this is not new for her. Uh, <clears throat> um, and within her building. Uh, previously, they didn't allow bicycles in the elevators. Um, so a, gr a group of people has gone to the building now. It's a mid, mid kind of high rise ish building, about 15 floors. And, and uh, a group of people from various companies have all gone to the building now. And the building has actually segregated one of their two freight elevators just for cyclists because there are so many people that have that demand now. And uh, the people don't want to leave their, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar bikes down on the bike rack. Uh, so uh, you know, a lot of these bikes get pretty expensive if they're if they're really good bicycles. And, sure. and so the buildings actually catered to that and said, "No, this is going to be important for our future um, to, to to be able to service the needs of of this part of our population." And so that is, I think, coming along. You know, it, it's funny using cycling as a, as a segue, uh, I'd like to talk about customer life cycle for a moment. Um, <clears throat> that was probably a lousy segue, but I'm using it anyway. Oh, I like it. <laughs> the, uh, uh, at instant, what are you finding? Are you finding the life cycle of the um, flexible workspace customer is extending, getting shorter, um, status quo? What, what are you seeing as a result of all of these changes? Not just pandemic-driven changes, but the whole wave of change that has been building and just crashed when the pandemic started to occur? I, uh, I would say that more and more corporates are looking at the idea of uh, flexible and agile workspace uh, via serviced offices or managed or uh, you know, a number of different options. I would say that we went from being on, on trend pre-COVID to on target now, where it's, it's no longer an experiment. It's no longer, um, you know, sort of a, a pilot or a test. It's, it's, it's a mandate. In other words, we have to get occupancy down. We have to become more resilient. We have learned that uh, our, even our uh, business continuity practices uh, are were failed and and didn't deliver. And so I think there's there there is uh, on one hand um, this dogged determination to drive resiliency, agility, and flexibility into the portfolio, uh, and that is that that has some headwinds though. And those headwinds really are just the overall inertia uh, that that's happening, um, whether Corporates have long-term leased or fee-owned 
properties, and so it's difficult to to action. Uh, I would say that there is a massive degree of uncertainty uh, where uh, decisions, key decisions, are not being made right now. Everything the kick can is being kicked, um, and and unless and until we get some level of clarity around, and particularly around the pandemic. Although I will tell you that the the U.S. political election uh, is factored in. Uh, the civil unrest that's that's been happening is factored in. Uh, I I live in Chicago and uh, uh, live in the western suburb, but see what's been happening um, throughout the the greater Chicagoland area. And uh, you know it it's it is starting the, those areas of uh, uncertainty are fact, factoring in. So um, I I think that uh, you know customers or clients or corporates in particular. And again I. I, I tend to couch a lot of my comments from a demonstrably corporate perspective as opposed to sort of the smaller mom and pop type of, of users or entrepreneurs. But I, I would tell you that the corporates are now squarely coming in and focusing on driving agility, flexibility, and resiliency because they can't afford to go through what they just went through. Yep. And- uh, I, I agree with that, certainly. When we look at our customer base on a global basis and we take our, what I'll refer to as our bottom 20%, and that's a a very subjective determination based on type of company, um, size of company, et cetera, versus our top 20%, which is, again, based subjectively on the type and the size of the company and the, the value, the net worth of the company. When we look at those two ends of our spectrum, we find that the bottom end uh, is pretty much maintaining a status quo on life cycle. That we're we're seeing churn and and that sort of thing, uh, but we're not seeing a huge. I think our our churn factor for the first six months this year only changed by one half of one percent mm-hmm. uh, at the bottom end. What we're seeing at the top end, though is a lengthening of life cycle. And I think that's a natural outcome of larger corporates. Um, When they move from a large, fixed, non-agile environment, just because they move to a flexible workspace doesn't mean that they're still not going to be permanently there. Uh, They want the flexibility to move people around and to, to shuffle things, but generally, it's a balance sheet issue too. If they can get that long-term lease or debt off of their balance sheet and get it over to a one-year service agreement, uh, that has a huge impact on these companies. And I think that's a major driver for the lengthening life cycle of the larger corporates and a huge landmark achievement within our industry, the flexible workplace sector, uh, because it will add a tremendous amount of stability. Uh, and stability equals growth, and we all know where it goes from there. So I'm I'm very excited to see those trending issues come about. Now, I lived uh, I lived the balance sheet issue at Walgreens with over 10,000 leases, and when the uh, lease accounting changes uh, came to fore, Walgreens be- became the poster child for uh, changes to the balance sheet. There was some 38 billion dollars uh, worth of liability put on the balance sheet as a function of, of, of converting operating leases to capital leases, right? Sure, just... that, that limits your capability to borrow, that limits your stock value. I mean, all, all variety of 
You're, you're exactly right. And then, you know, and then the other, Frank, the bigger point, I think, is, again, back to this notion of the age of acceleration, where all of our businesses are changing faster than ever. And if you think about one example that we're living through now, and, and, and uh, I used to do a lot of work with T-Mobile back in the day in their retail rollout, but uh, 5G is, is emerging. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the time it takes to download a, a two-hour movie, if you use 3G, it takes about two hours. If you use 4G, it takes about 48 minutes. And in 5G, you can do it in seven minutes. You know, that's a 10x uh, increase uh, that is that is absolutely going to catapult how how our worlds exist. And you know, whether it's autonomous vehicles, whether it's augmented reality, virtual reality, that the the pace of change today is the slowest it's going to be for the rest of our lives. Yep. And 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 you know, the fixed corporate, the fixed a heavy asset fixed office environment is not agile enough to keep up with that. And so I really think uh, the, the role that the, the, that the flexible office industry has is going to be more important than ever. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. And it's been great to meet people like you and, and uh, learn from my colleagues at Instant how, uh, uh, how to help invent the future. As they say, leaders make the future. And I think it's I think we're helping uh, many companies navigate uh, some tough waters right now. Well, you know, it's funny. Everybody, you, you've heard the um, phrase new normal and oh, when are we going back to the good old days and all that sort of thing. And I guess I'll kind of start to wrap this up a little bit by saying um, that it, it really is the good old days are tomorrow. Um, uh, is the way you have to look at it. And every day, every single day we go to work is the future. And you, you really have to live in, it kind of get a little Zen-esque, you have to live in the now and understand what's going on today and be adjustable every day and make that a comfort level for people, which, you know, historically it hasn't been. Uh, if, if, if you say you're going to have change every day, well, that's not always comfortable for people. So we have to get a new paradigm of thinking going uh, overall and just in the way we run our lives. Yeah, I love that. Be, it shouldn't yeah. be frightening to us. It, it should be exciting uh, in every aspect of what we do. And certainly the flexible workplace sector is a leading component in that as it relates to the future of work. Um, and uh, I'm very excited to, to have you as a, as a part of that. Our good friends at Instant for years and years, decades now. Um, I think that we can all accomplish just a tremendous amount together in the future as an industry overall. Fantastic. I, I we, we don't say new normal. We say next normal because there will be a next and a next and a next. And I think that's uh, consistent with your, and I love the Zen example too, Frank. I mean, it's, uh, it's true. We have to take deep breaths and, and know that the only thing that is a certain is that change is happening. So uh, well, yeah. that's the old surfer hippie in me, you know, the Zen part. Very cool. <laughs> well, Joe, it's been really great having you on the future of work podcast. I really appreciate your time and, welcome you to the industry as a great contributor and, and 
uh, look forward to uh, working with you long into the future. Thank you, Frank. It's been great being with you today. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?